Welcome back, everyone. Let's talk about sex. This is Queer Halftime. I'm Becca. My pronouns are she, they, and I'm here with the just stupendous Kelsey. Hello. My pronouns are also she, they. Welcome back, everyone. Awesome. And we're also here with the amazing Angel. Hi, Angel. Hey. Um, hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. My pronouns are they, them. Awesome. Angel, what do you want people to know about you before we get started? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You can be nice. serious. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So I'm the program administrator and sex educator at Alberta Sex Positive Education Community Center. I also run Empowered Hearts, which just started the Neurodiverse Empower program. Um, I'm super stoked about it. And yeah, I don't know. I'm queer as words I'm not allowed to say. And um, figured that out late in life, have three kids, three grandkids. And I'm excited that we're talking about sex because I think it needs to be talked about the same way we talk about hairstyles or, you know, grocery shopping. Awesome. I absolutely agree. (laughs) I am so excited for this conversation. I made all the kids at group feel really awkward when they were looking at the condoms and I brought out the, let's talk about those. And they all giggled. And I was like, safe sex. Isn't that hilarious? Let's talk about it. So this is the conversation that I have been waiting for. Thank you so much for coming on, Angel. Oh, anytime. Yeah. So before we kind of kick into our actual conversation, um, this week, our little concept of the week is intersectionality. Um, I think that's important to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, intersectionality is an expansion on first and second wave feminism. Uh, which were mostly geared to white women who are middle class. So it takes into account things like age, race, gender, sexuality, um, immigration status, um, disability, uh, neurodiversity, just kind of all the different things that make people's um, walk through the world a little bit different. And it keeps us from just focusing on things that affect us white women and mm-hmm. just expands things. I love that I'm sitting in a room with two people who are pale skinned having this conversation. I'm also (laughs) pale skinned just for anybody listening, because I think, unfortunately, these conversations happen more in circles where the predominant, you know, group is people of color, black people, indigenous people, and us white folk are walking around oblivious going, oh, I don't have privilege because, you know, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't have privilege because I'm a woman and I'm queer, but it's like, okay, but you're white, you're college educated, like Mm -hmm. got all these other things going for you. So yeah, it's important Mm -hmm. to kind of step outside of ourselves and see that everybody has different problems and they all need to be addressed. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So Angel, I'm going to kind of let you take the wheel a little bit, although I've been warned that might take this episode to be a little bit long, but that's totally okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. So I I just want to say that first I get told all the time to stay in my lane, right? People tell me all the time, focus on consent, focus on sex positivity. You need to stop talking about social justice. You need to stop talking about race. You need to stop talking about ableism. And as Kelsey can tell you, I mean, I'm not the person that you can use the word um, ableist words around because I'll call you in on it um, because we we use 
terminology in society to indicate that we think less of people with intellectual disabilities. We think less of people with mental health issues. We think less of people who have pigmentation in their skin. We think less of people who aren't participating in that heteronormative nuclear family. So guy meets girl, gets married, have two kids, get a mortgage. And we have all kinds of language that indicates that that we use so often in society that we don't even think about it. But for me, that is staying in my lane because we can't talk about consent without talking about why we're talking about consent, right? And Mm -hmm. we're talking about it because we live in a society that has tricked us into thinking we know how to navigate healthy sexuality and yet gave us tools where we view people as less than. Totally. And the moment we have structures that view people as less than, that is translating into sex because one of the first ways that you control another person is by controlling their sexuality. And we've done that in society. We've told people that they're, you know, depending on what genitals you're born with, you're allowed to enjoy sex or to put up with sex. And that gatekeeping mentality has fed a culture that supports sexually assaulting ideas and behaviors. That's why we talk about consent. And that's great that I can talk about it from a patriarchal lens, but like you said, intersectionality. So I talk about it from a curiarchal lens, which is my word for intersectional feminism. Um, Because for me, when we're talking about intersectionality, it's recognizing outside of, of just the feminist lens, we're recognizing that no matter how much we try to build our allyship, that we can only really know our own experiences. We can try to know other people's, but it's a lifelong thing that we're going to have to constantly be sitting with those biases. And in fact, I just had to apologize to somebody for centering my feelings um, yesterday. So it's like, this is an ongoing thing and you're going to constantly have to be able to put your ego aside and go, was that a problem? Like it didn't feel like a problem to me. Is it possible it felt like a problem for someone else? And why? And am I responsible for that? And nothing shows this more than the way we interact romantically and sexually. Absolutely. To where we pathologize people who aren't interested in sex. And only in the last few years have I seen this, this amazing push in psychology and medical studies showing that asexual people are, aren't broken. That's not a pathology. You know what I mean? We pathologize people who want too much sex in bunny ears. Um, and it's only been recently that I've seen like the last DSM publications, the first time I've seen across the board them going only if it interferes with the person's ability to have a satisfactory life. Is it patho- pathological? So it doesn't matter if you're having sex 10 times a day, 10 times an hour. If that's not interfering with your life, it's not a problem. It's when you're not happy with it. And I think that is exactly my lane, because if you're not happy with the amount of sex you want, why? Why are you not happy with it? Is it because your partner isn't keeping up with you and you expect them to give you that sex? Mm -hmm. Is it because you've been told you're not supposed to have that kind of a sex drive and that it's shameful? Is it because, you know, like there's all these, you know, were you repressed for 20 years and now suddenly you're in a space where it's safe to explore your sexuality and you can't get enough of it because you were starving before? Like, you know, like what, what are the reasons? Um, 
and we can't we can't have those really amazing connections with people if we can't talk about those power differences that do happen about the language we use in society and what it means and how that impacts the way we interact sexually romantically and that kind of stuff so that's kind of my spiel about intersectionality and sex positivity i don't think that you can only talk about consent from a white person lens yeah. like i just i just don't and i've learned so much from people who have different um, experiences than i do that i i just don't see why other people don't also want that information absolutely oh, except oh we don't like being uncomfortable yeah that's my favorite so what are your that's thoughts one of my favorite things <laughs> about you is that it's not not everything is focused on a the binary um and b the heteronormativity and the whiteness of society right it's like we're constantly talking about representation and one of the things that we talk about all the time is our youth the youth in the queer community don't get the sex education that they need because there's no representation there absolutely like how many how many women loving women have told you they don't need to use barriers because they can't get stis absolutely and it and it's like are you using penetrative toys do you use your fingers does your face touch other people's genitals where their body fluids are like like this is you still need to get screened you still need to use barriers you still need to make the decision together that you're willing to take those risks without barriers which we call fluid bonding um which i think sounds really technical like it kind of sounds like a woodworking thing or something <laughs> i'm mixing my two fluids to glue my boards together but it's uh it really makes the point that we don't get taught that and same with i mean man i've come out to a few gsas now to do sex head and it's always the exact same questions do i have to use barriers for oral sex and the short and long answer is yes <laughs> you know um what do i have to do to do anal safely and will it cause me a prolapse and i mean lube flared bases if you're using toys and time and patience and no no like the majority of people like the gross majority of people who engage in anal sex do not end up with prolapses that caught that's from violence you know and if you like it really rough that means you've got to you've got to slowly train your body to be able to do that and use lube 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 and great communication with your partners and even more important that you use condoms because the the anal walls are very thin so it's very easy to create little micro fissures and that's just increases your risk of all sorts of um, sexually transmitted infections and bloodborne pathogens so you know those those are the things that come up constantly like constantly when we're talking sex ed to the queer community, right? Because that's not part of comprehensive sex ed. Like, in, and to me, that's kind of like an oxymoron, right? Like if it's comprehensive, why aren't we talking about things that are pleasure-based? And why are we only talking about the things that are, that are procreative? Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, my sex ed was not comprehensive at all, even when it comes to, like, man and woman stuff like yeah and I mean and those little cartoon pictures where the breasts are perfectly symmetrical <laughs> and you know and it's like yeah. and, and they're always white like why are they always white like where's where's brown bodies mm -hmm. where's chubby bodies where's tall bodies like why is it this generic white middle class cartoon that we get to look at for anatomy and I mean that's 
that's part of sex positivity too. Like, where does our beauty come from? You know, and it definitely comes from whatever's trending in Europe, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the sexuality of people of color has like a seen as threatening by a lot of white people in power, but also you were talking about controlling sexuality. Like that's one of the criteria for what constitutes a genocide is like forced yeah. sterilizations. Like it's something that we've been um, dealing with here in Canada, right? That came out of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And I, I want to be clear, people still do force oh, sterilizations yeah. on their adult children when they have intellectual disabilities and, and so forth. And prisons are still doing forced sterilizations on people of color, although they claim it's because they don't have the resources to treat yeah. certain things. Um, yeah. You know, so, oh, sorry, you ended up with a hysterectomy when we were just trying to deal with the cyst, you know, yeah. it's, it's crap. And we need to sit and think, I think, as humans, about what we're attracted to and why. And, you know, so like, if, if you are attracted only to athletic bodies, why is that? <laughs> because you weren't yeah. born with that attraction. And I hear this all the time. It's just a preference. And I say, you weren't born with that preference. Okay. And whether, whether you feel that attraction to people with specific hormones or body types or whatever. And I mean, keep in mind, like as a queer person, I'm telling you that the things we're attracted to isn't just biology. It's what we're socialized to be attracted to. And I sometimes wonder, even as someone who finds femininity and androgyny really attractive, um, if that doesn't have to do with the toxicity that comes with masculinity, because I don't find toxic anything attractive, you know, and when you're talking to people who are um, more center when it comes to gender, they've already done some of that work. Like they don't tend to, it's not even like going into the lesbian community where you always get that one person who's like, oh, I could turn any straight woman. That's fucking toxic. I, I just like, what? Like you were acting like the very yeah. epitome that I'm trying to fight when it comes to consent culture, you know, like that, that's don't internalize that, <laughs> you know? So like I, I sit and I wonder about that sometimes, like, do I like my you know, men in quotations, my, mm -hmm. my mask presenting people to be a little feminine and my feminine presenting people to be a little masculine because I like the people who've unpacked that and done the work. Or is that actually biologically attractive to me? Little column A, little <laughs> column B, chicken, egg. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. Um, but when it comes to skin tone and body size and like all of that, like that's, we've been spoon fed that. Absolutely. We have been, I think of my, even my experiences with sex education and they very much in, they very much inspired me to remain in the closet because everything that I saw was saying that I should be with this beautiful man. And then, so I was walking around looking for all of these men to like, you know, I was like, I had this sex education that says that I need to be with men. So here we go. Let's be with men. And then I realized like that that was was forced on me from such a young age and the second that I kind of like that settled with me and I started like looking around I was like I'm not attracted to athletic cis white men like that's what society wants me to be attracted to but that's never been what I've been 
been attracted to. It's just what I've forced myself into. So it's so important to talk about this because we don't want like this is and I think we've talked about this on a couple episodes now, but like this is how people like and young people get into toxic relationships because like it doesn't matter how healthy a heterosexual relationship is. It's not what we want. Like it does not resonate with our youth. On, and take that a step further too. Like, why are young people getting into these toxic relationships? Well, look at our media and what we're taught romance is. So you've got people, um, and like I've been unpacking this a lot lately. Um, but like, this is something that I figured out a few years ago, and then just kind of pushed it away because I didn't want to look at it because it was uncomfortable. But we're actually taught that that feeling of discomfort when somebody's violating your boundaries and, and is negative and is gaslighting, that that's what attraction feels like. Mm-hmm. Like even when you talk about butterflies, that's what anxiety yeah. feels like. Like if those butterflies aren't in your loins, that's probably not attraction. You know what I mean? And yet we're taught that that's attractive. So like where does this idea of like the bad boy or the you know tough lesbian come from? And it's, or the bear or like whatever, you know, whatever culture you're in. And it's, it's fed to us by, by these stereotypes being played out in social media. Um, My favorite example lately is I really thought they'd fix it because they made a female lead for James Bond, but they still have that goddamn scene where James Bond grabs (laughs) the female lead and is kissing her while she's going, no, no, no. And then she succumbs to passion and kisses him passionately. So it's like, obviously, people that disgust us, if we, if we get, let them close enough, we'll be attracted to them. Oh, I had the same reaction watching, I think it was the first Blade Runner movie with Harrison Ford. Um, and there's like, he's kissing the robot lady. It's like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. Oh, no. That must be love. <laughs> oh, this didn't age well. But like, if that's our representation that we're going to give youth about what romance looks like, right, then is it a surprise that they form relationships with people who have unhealthy mechanisms or that they form those unhealthy mechanisms themselves in order to be attractive? Like, this is what we're selling. Oh, yeah. And the idea that you have to be in a relationship as well, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Even in kindergarten, right? Ooh, do you have a girlfriend yet? kindergarten we're pushing them to to be attracted to somebody like that's (laughs) i remember having the aunties and uncles when i was 11 and 12 like so you got a boyfriend and i'm like are you kidding me boys have cooties still (laughs) like (laughs) yeah and then we we wonder why our kids are acting you know hyper sexualized or whatever and it's like look at the media you know, if okay, you're yeah. if you're worthy as someone feminine, you've got to be able to stick out your butt and, you know, wiggle a certain way. And if you're someone masculine and you're, you know, viewed worthy, even at five, six years old, you can't cry. You got to be tough. You got to punch someone in the shoulder to show them you like them. Like the, these things are very complex and they really feel feed into sex negative culture. Like in, in it. Oh, yeah. And I have bad news for anybody listening to these kinds of podcasts too. Once you start demanding more for yourself, it's really hard to date. It really is because there's only small pockets oh, yeah. of society that are learning this. So we have people coming out to Aspect all the time. And I hear from, particularly from cis women a lot that you've ruined dating for me. 
you know, because I actually expect people to respect my boundaries and they don't. Yeah. So, but then I'm like, but when you find someone who does, that's, that's the key. Because that is the key. It is. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you're straight, queer, or something in between, like whether you're talking friends or romance, um, platonic love or, or romantic love. Uh, yeah. Like if somebody respecting your boundaries just feels so good. <laughs> it's, Agreed. It is so good. I would take that over orgasms, honestly. <laughs> you know, and I, I like orgasms, but like I would take that feeling like I have when I'm hanging out with Kelsey where... I know that when I go, look, this word's problematic to me. And this is why Kelsey will do that work to respect that boundary, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. Not having to explain your boundaries either. Right. And like defend it. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, I can see a new sexy event coming up at Aspect. Boundary respecting dinner. There you go. <laughs> Have a gala. <laughs> Consent gala. Any excuse to get dressed up, honestly. Right. Um, But I think we really do kids a disservice because we're, we're not challenging these things the way we should. And, you know, instead, we're Mm -hmm. still doing the same concept of sex ed that we did 50 years ago, you know, where you wait until they're already having sex and give them the talk and send them on their way. It's what we're doing in school. Yeah. I mean, they learn about menstruation, right? They learn about erections, and they learn about contraception and abstinence. And I'm just thinking now, about my own sex ed and oh my God, <laughs> it was very abstinence based and like, Becca went to Catholic get your school. Period. It's because of original sin and Eve. Oh God. That's why childbirth hurts is because Eve <laughs> ate the apple. <laughs> yeah. And you know what else though? Adam also ate that apple. I know. Right. But Eve tempted him. <laughs> but God tempted Eve. I know. So yeah. Satan. Who taught critical thinking. Who's taught critical thinking, but like God's the one that put that there, knowing they were gonna eat it and told oh, them yeah. not to. So like oh, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I, I could go on this forever. I hate the way the Bible is cherry picked by folks. Um, if you're gonna follow the book, follow the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like take the whole thing into consideration. And what you're supposed to be doing is being tolerant of other people and compassionate and trying to make the world a better place yep and the idea of god as the sex police just really bothers me and it's you know it's actually so interesting that you say that because like attaching that to like the sex positive thing it's like i still hear from some youth that we serve that are attending catholic schools that they're not getting any sex ed and it's like that is that is optional now in alberta it is optional for schools and on top of that like we've had some real funding shifts happen right so when they made it optional they also canceled the funding that was there before that allowed schools to book places like compass sexual health center or the calgary center for sexual health and now they don't have those contracts so compass is gone no longer exists it was swallowed up by the ywca which now that the schools aren't able to book that stuff. It's closed. So where do you go now if you're pregnant and you don't know what your options are and you can't talk to your family doctor? Where do you go? We don't have a planned parenthood anymore, you know, because that that was what Compass did. And then the why, like that was their role. We don't have it. It's like, so who do you go to to bring that sex ed into schools? 
stay tuned. I got lots of information about that, but yeah, stay tuned because we're, we're putting together a program called Sex Ed Connect, which I know Kelsey knows about, um, which is going to connect educators and parents and youth with information that's laid out with videos and charts and it's all done like a web app. So like, we're pretty excited about it. Um, that. It's going to be so slow because awesome. we got to raise the money first, but man, we're doing it. Like mm-hmm. it's, this is going to happen. And it's so it's so important because like sometimes I find like people are like, like we have obviously safe sex supplies accessible in group. And I, you almost, you see parents kind of double take yeah. at them a couple times being like, like, why is that your role? Because nobody else is doing it. Right. Like, because the kids come in and they giggle about the condoms and the dental dams and all of these safe sex supplies because they don't know what they are. But interestingly enough, we start that conversation and then Becca and I turn away and all of a sudden they're grabbing them because they're like, oh, I should be using these. So it's not that they don't need the information. Like, (laughs) And do you know how many people with vaginas get bacterial vaginosis because they're masturbating with toys that haven't been appropriately cleaned? And usually under 25, which indicates to me that they're probably trying to sneak their toys into the bathroom, wash them quickly and get away. So like, you're not, you're not taking the time to rinse off soap residue or, and you shouldn't use hand soap. By the way, Mm -hmm. if anybody's listening, you're better off using dish soap. Hand soap is actually harsher than dish soap. How's that for funny? So we wash our hands with hand soap and then put them in people's orifices and we're actually introducing things we shouldn't. So you're better off washing your hands with dish soap um, and your toys. Uh, and we teach that when you're, when you're masturbating, whether it's, you know, um, hands on genitals or um, toys on genitals, use barriers. One, you protect yourself from UTIs, bacterial vaginosis. Um, and trust me, you don't want a UTI, no matter what, what your body parts are. And yeast infections decrease too when you're using barriers. Two, when you go to have partnered sex, your body is already accustomed to that barrier and associating it with pleasure. So you won't have the performance anxiety. You won't have that same you know, problem that people have when they try to introduce condoms and partnered sex and it's uncomfortable and awkward and it's not as pleasurable. Like teach your body to find pleasure with those barriers. I mean, to me, it just makes so much sense. And as somebody who discovered barriers later in life, I can tell you it doesn't take long to retrain your body. You know, your body wants pleasure. You just got to train it to get that pleasure with the barrier there and away you go. I just love like how natural this conversation is because this is these are the things that show the youth and the people that we serve that this is nothing to be ashamed of like absolutely not like this is real life and we all do it and that is or we don't and that's just as okay as we all doing it us all doing it right so it's like and that and that 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 interest is going to wax and wane you know and that's normal like that's, you know, even, even for asexual people, their, their interest in it will change over, over a lifetime in a context and, and all of that. And that doesn't make them less ace or more ace, you know, um, you can be uh, queer and predominantly date people, the opposite sex of you, and that doesn't make you less queer. Right. And it's the same with sexual interest in heterosexual couples. Like I hear this all the time. Like how come my sex drive is different than my partner's? It's like, well, 
because you're humans. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everything impacts the way that we relate to other people. There's the biological stuff. Like I know my sex drive is totally kiboshed right now. I've got issues going on with my vagina that the doctors are like, yeah, you got to do this, this, and this. And I can't because people are still flooding the hospitals for other reasons. So I've just got to wait. Um, and I'm menopausal. So hormones, you know what I mean? So you've got the actual physical things going on with the vagina and the ovaries. And then I've got things going on with my hormones that are messing with it. Plus we've been locked down for two years. So I'm a little stressed. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I want everybody to know I'm doing like little rabbit ears around lockdown. Cause this is not a lockdown, but um, like we've, we've been under a lot of stress over the last two years and that's impacting things. And, you know, and yet I consider myself a very sexual person, although demisexual too. So like, that's all also in there. I'm, I'm a very sexual person yeah. with somebody that I care yeah. about, you know what I mean? And then that's, it's like, but this is where I'm at right now. And I don't, I don't like that even with all my education and all the self-work I've done and all the counseling I've gone through that I still have to struggle to put that guilt away that I'm not providing my partner an outlet. And I want to be really clear. He is not contributing to that guilt at all and has been nothing but incredibly mm -hmm. supportive and, and taking care of his own needs like he should. You know, it's not actually my problem to provide anybody orgasms exactly. like that. And it's nobody's problem to provide me mine either. Right. So, but still knowing that in the front of my head doesn't change 50 years of programming. Oh, absolutely. But I still, so it's, and we need to have those conversations where it's like, yeah, you can feel pressured by yourself and your own thought process, but that came from outside of you. That's actually not natural. Yeah. And having right? those not born with that, those conversations helps normalize things too. Like I remember like, you know, it's so easy to think that you're weird or there's something wrong with you. And then you start talking to someone else and they're like, oh yeah, me too. And it's like, wait, what? Really? Yeah, like, why aren't people talking about this? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I was talking about uh, vaginismus with a friend of mine, which can make penetrative sex extremely painful but we're taught, oh, mm -hmm. your first time supposed to be painful. So it's no big deal. Right. And then my friend was like, oh yeah, me too. I was like, wait, really? <laughs> and your first time shouldn't be painful. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. So there's just, all it this, doesn't need to be, but yeah. Misinformation. And then we don't talk about it. And then you think you're weird. <laughs> like there's something wrong yeah. with you. It's like, no, it's not really that weird. No. And like, and teaching guys that that feeling of discomfort when you're not really sure that your partner wants to do the things, other people feel that too. They don't talk about it because we've been fed this idea that you're always supposed to be, you know, psychically knowing how much they want it. And even when they don't show it, they of course do. And like, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, yeah. no, like if you're feeling uncomfortable, you need to stop yeah. and check in and it, that's okay. To put somebody else first instead of your, you know, ego or your sex drive or, and like, not only is that okay, but like, it's required. Yeah. You know, this is the responsible, caring human thing to do is not want to make other people hurt. And, you know, we don't teach that. Yeah. Right. We don't, we don't teach our, you know, signed female at birth folk that they've got to be honest about what they want or else their partner isn't going to learn to respect boundaries. 
And it's like, yes, I want to do it instead of going, uh, and I mean, I'm just as guilty as the next person, you know, like we had to unpack this in a relationship and it's like, oh, so like when I'm too embarrassed to say yes, I'm asking my partner to be okay, not knowing if they're assaulting me. Right. And that reframing really helped me to check that, (laughs) you know, it's like, oh, that's not good. Like, let's not do that, you know? Yeah. And like checking in and communication can be really sexy too. Like, Mm -hmm. do you like this? Can I do that? Like all this. I think people still think that what we're talking about is, can I touch your hand? Yeah. Can I touch your wrist? Yeah. Can I touch your forearm? You know, and and that's not what we're saying. Like it's a way smoother conversation. It's like, are you laughing at me? No. <laughs> Poor Mark is making sounds over there. He's got his headset on, so he can't even hear me. Um, so I was like, all of a sudden feeling self-conscious. Isn't that funny? I don't do dirty talk very well. But like when somebody is doing the whole, like, you know, you're doing things and they notice your body's reaction and they're like, does that mean you want more or less of that? Right? <laughs> like checking in with yeah. you to be like to make sure that they're reading it right. It's like exactly yeah ask me more questions <laughs> right it's a really good feeling yeah very this hot is just oh yeah so much fun of a conversation <laughs> because you but yeah I can't emphasize enough how unnatural conversations like these are for people and like it's it's empowering you know to be in a group of people that can have this conversation so fluently and so comfortably and you can share your own experiences and like you know, just like kind of bond over the fact that like not everything is as straight and sexy as it should be. <laughs> like, and like, let's actually look at what's portrayed to us as straight and sexy, right? They're not showing the natural noises that bodies make during sex. Nope. Um, and they make noises. Some really embarrassing. I have yet to see a movie where someone queefs. Right? It's like. <laughs> It's like these noises happen. They don't show the mess that happens. Like you're sweating, yeah. you've got body fluids. Even when you're using barriers, you know, lube gets everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's a mess. Yeah. You know, they don't yeah. show things like how ridiculously beautiful people look when they are totally messed up and and ugly in their matted hair and their, you know, yeah. like they don't show that they've got like people blow drying their hair back. So yeah. it's like waving in the wind of orgasms. Like, I don't oh, even yeah. know. And they're not sweating at you all. Know? Like they're not like red face. Like they don't show laughter. Mm-hmm. Like, man, oh yeah. Laughing? I, I love like, during sex. I, Great. Yeah. Like it, bodies are funny. Sex is funny. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, you know, like it is. Yeah. You know, do you ever catch a glimpse in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, that's what somebody would see if they walked in. That's hilarious. <laughs> right. Because we're, we're only taught to view it from porn angles and that's not what real sex looks like. No. You know, yeah. like people yeah. aren't lifting themselves off. So you get a really good crotch shot. Like that's not how how your typical sex looks like bodies jiggle and they you know they they pass gas <laughs> like it's these things happen it's funny um yeah there's jiggling and yeah. fat rolls and sometimes something funny happens and you have to stop and laugh about drool. it <laughs> yep <laughs> right, drooling happens <laughs> it's it's hilarious I have false teeth so you know if I make a lot of noise sometimes my teeth will actually eject themselves that's funny like that's funny as heck you know and oh yeah like it's 
you gotta laugh it's okay to laugh and they don't talk about those moments that are so funny when people say or do something because they're like out of their mind with the sensations that are going on that's funny too (laughs) right oh yeah or like say hypothetically his bed frame has wheels on it and it moves all the way across the room that's very funny yeah it is is. and like and everybody does things differently so we're taught you know all kissing looks like the french lovers kiss but not all kissing looks like that everybody kisses differently and it can be weird when you first start kissing someone if they kiss differently than you're used to where you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how to respond to this. Mm-hmm. But when they start making you part of the whole atmosphere, like when the reciprocation's happening and things are really good, um, all of a sudden that kissing is going to be your favorite kind of kissing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So they, they don't talk about that either. They don't talk about how yeah. some people don't like kissing, or about how some positions just don't work for some bodies. And that's okay. Absolutely. You know, like, man, I, I hate um, being on top. It's just not a fun position for me. It doesn't work. And yet, what does porn tell you? That's what you're supposed to do, right? That's the hot one. And it's like, no, yeah. like that's, I'd rather not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. it's just how my body works, right? And that's, I, I wish these conversations were happening in sex ed. Mm-hmm. Because the expectations we have when we go to have our first sex just don't match the reality of it. And they should tell us that you're going to be awkward and that you're not going to know where to put your arm. Like there's going to be this sudden moment of, I don't know where my nose goes in this position. Like, what am I? I I don't know what to do. Your leg falls asleep and you have to move. Yeah. Like they, they don't talk about how sometimes shifting positions isn't about trying to follow the Kama Sutra. It's about, my body just can't do this anymore and it's okay to say that you know or that sometimes one person has troubles achieving climax and it's okay to tell them you need them to stop Mm -hmm. yeah you know they don't nobody talks about that that sometimes revoking consent isn't about you're mean and I don't like you you know that it's about like my body's done Mm -hmm. and that's okay and that it's okay to say you know hey like I hope you've got loop because last time you were still at it 20 minutes later and my body doesn't create fluids for 20 minutes you know that's just not how natural lubrication works right and you know it's okay to have that conversation or to say you know I'm not upset but like that thing you did please don't do that again like I don't I didn't enjoy that yeah that wasn't for me and that's okay and to hear that isn't a slap it's somebody letting you know how their body works it's not you suck at this. It's I didn't enjoy that. Mm-hmm. My body doesn't like it. And that yeah. should be a beautiful thing instead of a rejection. Like we don't talk about that either. No. You know, and we certainly don't talk about foreplay. Oh, yeah. No. And it's called <laughs> foreplay because you should know about it beforehand. <laughs> you know, yeah. like this is like, why aren't we teaching kids that toys are actually helpful? Mm-hmm. And beneficial, particularly if you're having sex with somebody with a clitoris, you know, because penetration doesn't actually make the clitoris excited the way it does in porn. You know, 
And why aren't we telling people that you can touch body parts that aren't necessarily hidden in the underwear? That's my favorite thing. It's like the only sexual part of your body is below your waist. And it's like, what? Like, like, and nothing, and you can't, nothing counts as sexual contact if it's not that. And that's, again, like, we're teaching this to the kids because we're not talking about these things. Absolutely. And, and adults hide their sex lives from their children. And I'm not saying you should have sex on the couch in front of them and offer them popcorn or anything, but that flirting piece, you know, should be, should be somewhat visible, right? That playfulness should be somewhat visible that, you know, coming up behind someone and they just rest their back against your chest and you wrap their arms around them. You shouldn't just hide that. Like that part should be visible, the nurturing and the, and the, you know, the parents texting each other naughty things after dinner during the kids' movies or whatever, that should be visible. You know, what are you doing? Flirting with your it's mother. It's okay for kids to know that their parents like each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that flirting should be there because mm-hmm. that's our biggest erogenous zone is our head. Mm-hmm. And if we're not letting our youth see that adults play with the brain before they hop in bed, if they have a... a a satisfactory sex life, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's where why sexting is a thing. That's why, you know, it's like, so we need to recognize like different people have different things that get them going, and that's okay mm-hmm. and expected. Absolutely. Yeah. I could talk wow. about this forever <laughs> as you're finding out, right? I really, okay. man, I wish I'd grown up with the sex education I have now. Yeah. Oh, same. I had to do a lot of Googling and yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And even Googling is hard because they don't actually do a lot of research on vaginas outside of whether or not you can create a baby. And Mm -hmm. even like when they do any sort of surgery in the, you know, vulva region, the map of the clitoral nerves is incorrect in the medical textbooks. There is one book that has the appropriate clitoral nerve diagram and so often people come out of surgery and find out they can't they can't orgasm mm-hmm. oh my God. and that's not considered significant because they're a person with a clitoris instead of a person with a penis yeah healthcare for people with like uteruses and all the accompanying things is uh, severely that, lacking. Mm-hmm. Even without the uterus, like for trans women, like the, yeah. the lack of understanding, yeah. like, like, do you know that some trans women can squirt? I did not know yeah. that. They don't tell them that either, that they're, oh. that they're when, because the tissues are the same, right? Like you're, when you're looking at an inverted penis and a, and a, vagina it's very similar and there's still prostate so you still create all the same sensations like it's and it self-lubricates that's so interesting if if a successful vaginoplasty will self-lubricate and it'll be a self-cleaning you know canal just like ours right so so cool i had no idea it could be self-cleaning and, and not always, like it depends on the surgeon, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And how much research they've done and, and how much shivigit they've got about what they're doing. See what I did there? Huh. That was good. 
because <laughs> yeah. it was coming out of my mouth so I was like <laughs> trying not to swear yeah <laughs> um and like and honestly like to me learning that was like why aren't they teaching people that you know or that they need to get those tissues checked regularly you know for health right and they still have to get prostate checks unless they've had their prostate removed you know and like nobody tells anybody this stuff and when you start developing breasts you need to get your breasts checked regularly mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're afab or you know a trans female or a trans man that that retains those breast tissues like you have to keep checking your breast tissues for lumps like this is and that and that's just not there and that breaks my heart absolutely yeah that even even the I was kind of laughing because when I first came on the show Becca was like look you know try not to swear because this is for a younger audience and I don't think the words that we're talking about are actually swear words they're sex words right so for me those are adult words and that swear words are slurs you know the things we say Mm. to hurt people that's a swear word and that could be you know you're a popsicle if you're saying it in a way to hurt somebody, that's a swear to me. But yeah, I love. This is a sidetrack, sex positive yeah. thing, right? All the swear words that we <laughs> coin that way seem to be around yeah. body parts and sex. Yeah. Oh, in English, yeah, they're pretty much all related to sex and in body. L- and then you've got French, where a lot of them are religious based, and it's actually really interesting. Yeah. Even like Ukrainian, a lot of it is about body parts and sex. Um, I think German. Yeah has also got a lot of body parts and sex, although they've got a few interesting swear words that I was like, what? German swears are amazing. They're very colorful. <laughs> um, that Chinese, yeah. a lot of vulgarity is around sex and they do a lot of your mama stuff, you know, yeah. but they're, yeah. their own cultural version of it, right? Yeah. 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 But anyways, so sidetrack cool. you. What kind of nonsense trivia does Angel have? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh no worries we love trivia on this show like it's my favorite thing (laughs) yeah well I love sex ed so if you have any questions because I know you're gonna like wrap us up here but um if you have any questions or whatever reach out to aspect my name's angel I'm all over the website and we'll hook you up with the right resources whether it's queer friendly or senior specific or how to talk to your kids we've got support for you yeah and I will link the aspec uh, website in the episode description awesome so you can all find it super easily um yeah and with that who wants to go first for their queer joy this week what made you happy you becca kelsey never wants to go first i know i don't because i because i never know what i'm gonna talk about until the pressure's <laughs> on me okay i will go first um i found a whole bunch of little packets of wildflower seeds um, at our office from the St. Albert Seed Library. And I planted some in a little pot and now they're starting to sprout. So I'm going to have wildflowers Aww. in my house soon. So that's my queer joy. That's super cute. Super, super cute. Well, a little deeper. I'm always either very surface level or very deep on these queer joy moments. Um, my partner and I are actually getting ready to move to a new place. We're really, really excited about it. This move is different from our last experience. Um, My partner and I have been together for almost five years now. And when we first got together, both of us were leaving really unhealthy situations. So we kind of had to like 
grab all of our stuff and run type deal in like a few days. And that's why these types of conversations are so important to me, right? Because like so many of us in the queer community have been victims, which is, I hate that word, but survivors of the lack of education and representation around queer relationships. And yeah, my partner and I, unfortunately, were both two of those individuals. So we kind of had to like pack up and run really, really quickly. And that's how we got into this place that we live in right now. And we never left. So this move is going to be super cool and super healing because we've got six weeks to plan. Um, I can do it all on my own schedule. I can make lists. I can pack. I don't have to worry about like somebody coming home and like taking my cat, um, which was a big worry for me at the last move. So yeah, it's, it's super cool when you are able to heal in these relationships and like you find a relationship with somebody that does really, really respect your boundaries and even something as simple as a move can be like really empowerful, empowering and powerful and powerful is my new word for you both. So yeah, I'm, we're really excited. We're really excited that we kind of get to do it on our own schedule and like with the people that we love and yeah. So we can't wait. Yeah. Kelsey's already started packing. It's so beautiful. I'm really glad that you, you both found things to take pleasure in this week. And I think that's really, when I saw this email going, we're going to talk about something that brought us joy. And I was like, Ooh, and this has been a rough week for me. So like, I'm actually really good at taking joy in a lot of things. And this has been a really rough week. Um, however, I have noticed that my social media experience is starting to really reflect my need for positive things. So that's interesting. But um, my entire uh, TikTok experience this week has been really powerful voices speaking up about human rights, about sex education. And that has been just beautiful to see that the majority of people, contrary to the loudest of people, believe in human rights Mm -hmm. and they fight for it. So yay that the world isn't as ugly as mainstream you know whatever that means media tends to be forced into displaying to us absolutely oh I love that they're not the majority they're just the loudest (laughs) like and if I wasn't allowed to use social media I would have just said you know being invited onto shows like this is always something that brings me joy because I think it's really important that this kind of stuff gets out there you know like this is this is my jam. So yeah, you folks brought me joy. I've been looking forward to this all week. Oh, we've been looking forward to it too. <laughs> I'm so excited to have finally met you. Like I've, I've just have been, I haven't seen Kelsey, Kelsey shine about someone the way they have about you. So I'm like, can't wait to add this person to my friend circle. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes. And with that, with making new friends, um, thank you both of you for coming and hanging out today. Thank you everybody for listening or watching. Uh, Be kind to yourself and others, and we will see you next week.